Smarties, today we are very excited to start a new series with you, our business practices series. And today, to kick it off, we are excited to welcome educational therapist and dyslexia specialist, Danielle Adibi, to the podcast. She discusses her experience doing business coaching with me. I'm Rachel. Danielle talks about her decision to leave the classroom because of her desire to have a bigger impact and have a higher level of satisfaction. She shares how coaching with me led her to understand her ideal clients and her own boundaries. We also coached Danielle a little bit because we can't help ourselves and it's what we do. So we are really excited to launch this new series with you all. And if you are interested in coaching with us, Steph and I both have one or two coaching slots available right now, and we would be honored to get the opportunity to work with you. You can learn more about our coaching on our websites, www.capedtherapy.com and www.myedtherapist.com, or you can go to the Learn Smarter Podcast website, which is learnsmarterpodcast.com to learn more about coaching with us. We are always excited to get to do this with our Smarties audience and just have the conversation with us. If you think this is something that you might be interested in, and we will help you make that decision. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 199 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we're really excited to welcome Daniil Adibi to the podcast. Welcome. Hi. Thanks. We're so happy to have you here. So Daniil was one of Rachel's one-on-one coaching clients. And we invited you here today just to hear a little bit about your experience and where you're at and just tell us all the things about you. Thrilled to be here. I am a devotee of your podcasts. I think they're amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. I am an educational therapist and a dyslexia specialist. I live in Paris, France. And I am a career teacher as well. I was in the classroom for about 35 years. About two years ago, I decided to do a change in my life. It was time to do a change. I took some time off. I went on a sabbatical. I did subbing. And during that time, I decided that I wanted to start my own tutoring business. And here in Paris, this is a second language, tutors and classes and, and organizations, but there's really no educational therapy and there are zero reading specialists. Mm. They're probably learning specialists. And I think really the only difference between learning specialists and educational therapists might be the association. That's a topic for another discussion, but mm-hmm. in a very good idea. <laughs> so not to step on toes, I always explain that that's the difference, basically, that we have an association that holds us up to standards where I don't think learning specialists do. And no one's corrected me on that. So being a team worker that I am and being somebody who processes out loud, I knew I needed a coach. I had already been listening and starting to be really in love and impressed with Rachel Stephanie's podcast. And I explored them more and more as I became more and more decided to start my own gig. And I saw the coaching opportunities and it was just, I don't know, I just went towards Rachel. I don't know why. Stephanie would have been just, I don't know. I just, boom, 
chose Rachel. And yeah, that's what we hear all the time. Yeah. Nobody knows necessarily why they gravitated towards one over the other. And sometimes even when somebody reaches out to us and just based off like energy feels, sometimes one of us will say, go work with Steph or come work with Rachel, just like depending on what makes the most sense. So mm-hmm. don't let that be a stopgap. It's just... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have a couple of questions first, just to clarify. You're teaching in English? Yes. Just wanted to make sure. I work with Anglophone families, meaning people whose primary language is English, but I can work with bilingual families, but the child and I will work in English. So did you want me to explain that more? Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in it. So here in Paris, Paris is an extremely international city, English being the lingua franca of the world. Uh, a lot of people come here as expats and a lot of the instruction happens in English. And then you have a lot of bilingual schools. This is huge now. I've been in France for 13 years and the amount of little schools, meaning elementary, you know, up to not even really sixth grade, just like third, fourth grade are just springing up everywhere. Then they're bilingual. So people are very keenly interested in English. And of course you have people who are married to a French person. They speak English at home. You have the international crowd where they want to improve their English more or the schools they're going to are in English. Yeah, and interesting enough, the, the schools that have the most learning support are usually Anglophone environments. So, yeah. I mean, there's some research behind that with bilingual students. The strength of being bilingual? Yeah, just being that they take longer to get where they would be if they were a single language family. That it takes longer in the beginning, but it becomes a strength and a blessing once they reach a certain age. Longer process, which fair enough, learning two languages at once is hard. Yeah. In doing one-on-one coaching, you do have to make an investment in yourself. What were some of the mindset things that you had to work through in order to move forward with doing coaching? Oh my goodness. I think this is where you helped me the most. Mm. You really did. And I still, what is it, two years now, hear your voice in my head, (laughs) really honestly, about growth mindset moving forward. Because I think when we started working, it was an investment I made. I don't regret it because it was like a, a seed or maybe a bulb is better because it was a big thing. And what I learned from you about mindset and believing in myself and just moving forward stayed with me two years later. And so my business is still very new because I think I'm still working at my skill base. I know I've been working my skill base, but everything I learned with you two years ago, I am now using the networking, the positive mindset, the not believing just because I'm a certain age that I should limit myself. I think that Rachel right there, I remember you saying that to me one day, that's a limiting belief or I don't remember the exact words you used. It was probably that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put it in my brain. Yeah. And I think another big thing that I took away from working with you was real relationship with people. So for example, I'm a dyslexia specialist. A lot of speech and language therapists work with dyslexics here in Paris. A lot of the movement with kids who need help is towards speech and language therapists. They're called orthophonistes in French. And those people have an amazing bag of tricks. I mean, it's huge. They do so many things. And in a Venn diagram situation, you know, we have an overlap, but there's still things they can do and things that I can do. 
that don't overlap. So in creating authentic relationships, I really talk and I affirm that with them, but I am a dyslexia specialist. So I'm very positive and supportive of my community without me accolading myself too much or you know, differentiating or being competitive. That was really an important message I got from you to be very real with my contacts, very real with my reaching out because people can smell that as soon as you are fake, I think. (laughs) I agree. And this is something that we talk about in all coaching and in Learn Smarter Pro also is the value of authentic relationships and just being a person and using those skills and responding to people in that way and being of service to other people will help people be of service to you back. And so it's sort of how Steph and I operate in this sort of abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, I remember working on a lot of mindset stuff with you and talking a lot about your own abilities. I always felt like you had the skill set that you needed to go out and get clients. We also talked a lot about boundaries and what you were willing to put up with and what you weren't. Yeah. What was your take on those types of conversations? So I'm dyslexic and I saw from those conversations about my skill set that my dyslexia deeply affects that. And I use that in the present tense because I know it still does. I mean, I had to go for more training to prove to myself that once I got that title and once I get that certification from IDA, International Dyslexic Association, I will have. And even when I listen to your podcast, I get intimidated and scared inside. And I know that's just my dyslexia. That's how it's impacted my life and my psychology. So I return to our conversations frequently about that because that's why I needed a business coach. I think for me, I would have figured out all of the nuts and bolts and everything on my own because I like that and it just naturally would have come up, but I needed someone to hold my hand. So I'm thinking more about your early, this is why I came to a business coach and somebody in the field. Of course, I'm more aware of my limiting beliefs, you know, also the working for more professional development, working through that and having to deal with you know, uh, lots of reading and writing papers and so on. That also got me to turn down the volume on that operating system that's been affected by being a dyslexic. That that was mm-hmm. crucial for the piece you taught me that I learned with you to come in. Mm-hmm. So it was like the coupling of me doing the work uh, to become a dyslexia specialist and making it through it and turning down the volume and seeing that I could sit down and do the work and I could, you know, attend to a little bit of attention deficit, that I could turn that down and and work with it. And then the impact of your words and your coaching would come through still. So it was really an interesting investment on my part because I just jumped in with two feet to get a coach just to get my kind of my psychological, emotional self going Mm -hmm. in the right direction. Had you heard of a business coach? Oh, yeah. Because some people aren't aware of what exactly it is. But it must have been something that you had thought of prior that, oh, this might interest me to have a business coach at some point when you decided to actually start your practice, right? I just like learning. Yeah. I think I would have started networking and asking people who already started their business how they did it. But those people don't usually have a lot of time. 
and they're not my person. <laughs> you know, they're, like, they're not for me. You know, after leaving the classroom period, after 30 years and stepping out on your own, especially in a foreign country, especially where nobody knows about educational therapy or even learning specialists, really, executive functioning is just on the horizon and you're only dealing with a segment of the population. It was intimidating and I really needed that support. That's why when I went for the coach instead. And honestly, it's just the quality of your podcasts. I think that was really what solidified everything. The quality of your podcasts, I would look at them and I would learn from them. And then I saw the coaching part. And then I did a lot of talking with people in the education field, you know, former teachers, former principals, uh, headmasters. And then I had some very difficult clients at that time, which Rachel helped talk. That There's the boundary mm-hmm. part. And I still mm-hmm. feel like I really need to talk about my clients a lot because I think just as a dyslexic, I process out loud. My, I process my thinking. And so Rachel and I spent a lot of time, and that's another voice I hear a lot about my ideal client. Mm-hmm. And then all those feelings about the family that I dealt with was that family was super challenging. And yeah. You know, it's interesting reflecting back on that because boundaries and self-protection, like Mm -hmm. there was nothing I could do. And I also had to stick to my ethics where I was going to a situation where the kid was severely dyslexic. He had not gotten anything that he needed and he was a sophomore in high school. And this mother just wanted me to get him through school and I couldn't ethically, I just couldn't do it. And I lost a client mm-hmm. and it had a little bigger impact on my life than that. I mean, it did mark me because it's a small community, but I don't care because that's my boundary. I'm not going to do that. And people, I think knew that, I guess also just to add to this, uh, in the time that I took off from two years ago to now and doing the subbing, I really learned that what I want to do, and this is something Rachel coached me on, I want to work with families. And that's very important that Rachel led me to that, but I didn't know. I just didn't know I had to get out there because I see the learning support people in schools here and they're just band-aiding, man. They're not getting down in there and helping the kids. And I don't want that. I don't want a parent to invest a bunch of money so their kid can pass the grade. And I think ethically for me, that's just not. So in Rachel's coaching, she talked a lot about your ideal client. And now I know that. And I knew that coaching helped me when I was out there subbing and you know being more in a bigger arena of what do I want to do? And then that all came together. This is what I want to do. I want to work with the families. I don't want to have an administrator standing in between me. I want to be the person who says this is what your child needs and not just to get through the grade not just to pass, mm-hmm. but to grow as a learner. Like you guys learn smarter. How are they going to learn smarter? You know? Yeah. I remember those conversations about the ideal client because it was really digging into what do you want and what will light you up and what do those clients look like? And then we can figure out how to find them, but we can also figure out what we don't want. Mm-hmm. And that was like something that we were chatting about before we hit record, which is, Saying yes to something that isn't ideal for you is saying no to something that is ideal for you. So I was glad to hear that that has sort of helped provide clarity and focus in the type of clients that you want to go after and that need you and need your particular expertise. Because I doubt that there is another 
educational therapist, dyslexia specialist, who's from the United States living in Paris. (laughs) Not that I know of. (laughs) You're exactly what certain families need. And how to suss that out is really, really critical in keeping you happy. Yeah. And you know, Rachel, I think going back to our conversations and where I was at that point in my life, I had to go through the process and the experience of saying, I deserve yeah. the clients I want to work with. Yes. And my growth these years, which started with the coaching, and has moved into now is it's kind of like capping it. it's it's like, I I deserve that. I bring a lot to the table. And I think when we first started coaching, I was not in a place where I was thinking that, you know, I was desperate. You helped me with that because I felt that in you, like, look at the business you two have grown, you know, and the fan club that you have. And (laughs) I'm like, if they can do it, I'm just going to follow that energy train, man. You know, absolutely. I'm still shocked when people say they know who I am. Same. I'm like, what? <laughs> we text each other when we're out in the quote unquote real world and we'll run into someone who's actually a listener. Steph, there's somebody who listens. So if you ever <laughs> run into us and we're like, okay, we're going to tell Steph or we're going to tell Breach, we do because it's very gratifying. And I think what's really important to sort of round out this whole part of our conversation with is we went through all the same things. Mm -hmm. All these mindset issues, all the boundaries that we had to learn, keeping really, really clear and focused on what our why is and which we constantly do with this podcast too. We have really, really deep conversations about, you know, even doing this series on business practices was a mindset we had to sit with for a while, frankly. And so when we get the opportunity to work with people like you, Daniil, we get the opportunity to help make that journey shorter and faster Mm -hmm. for you guys. And that is so gratifying because we believe that there's enough business for everybody. And in fact, we need more ed therapists who are servicing the clients in their community. And so it's such an honor to get to be a small part of that for people because the benefit of working as an educational therapist for yourself or a learning specialist for yourself or a dyslexic specialist for yourself is that you get to be with clients that light you up all day. Mm -hmm. It's so much happier. It really is. I agree. And I really feel that, and I don't want to diminish the role of an administrator. They're important in schools, but they are limited by many things. Teachers are always there trying to do differently and better for kids and just the structure of a school, especially if it's an independent, the schools I usually deal with here, private, they're not always private, but a lot of them are nonprofit Mm -hmm. schools, but they're still so limited by so many things, politics, Mm -hmm. not just money, politics and philosophy and precedence. And I'm not now. I mean, I'm only limited by what lights me up and what might not light me up, you know? For sure. So I want you to talk a little bit more about that because we're being explicit about it in this particular moment. We know that there are people listening to the podcast who are classroom teachers considering not being in the classroom and like transitioning into educational therapy and having their own practice. What would you tell that person knowing what you know now about that transition? Because you made that transition. When you reach the point in the classroom, (laughs) 
where you realize that your impact isn't as great as you want it to be or that it could be and you're frustrated and unhappy about that, that's the time to consider leaving. So that's one part. I think that there has to be a revolution in education. It cannot continue this way. It cannot. Teachers are being brutalized. It's, I know it's a very dramatic word, but by everything. I say as soon as people start talking about teachers, I go, teachers are under too much pressure. I don't think you realize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that if a person is considering leaving the classroom to become an educational therapist, I think first of all, start out tutoring, working, you know, get your classroom instruction all lined up, get, you know, do your time management, start getting out there to getting clients, start getting your feet on the ground, and then you can start thinking about leaving. But once you really feel that your impact and your satisfaction is going to be greater outside of the classroom, then that's when it's time to go. Or if you really, like myself, got tired of dealing with incompetent administrators <laughs> who diminish my work and diminish the quality of my work, and then my quality, period, me as a person, that's when I'm like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm done. You know? Mm-hmm. I completely agree. We're both former classroom teachers, and no part of me would go back. And I'm very glad that I didn't stay in the classroom because I always thought that's what I wanted. Was not. Mm-hmm. But I do want to jump back for a second because you said you're still making it. My website's not done yet. Okay. You don't need it to be done to work. <laughs> so I just arrived back in Paris in February. Right. So I would say I'm not really 100% started yet. I disagree. I mean, is there some sort of number that you have in your head that, oh, now I've made it? This is limiting for you because... Yeah, it could be. Do you see where I'm coming from? I see that. Are you going to hit 10 and then say it? Do you see where I'm coming from in this question? I do. Gosh. I mean, I have started, but I don't have a website yet. I don't have all these things in place yet. So that's why I'm saying that. I feel like I'm just kind of like going along, like, oh, it's fun. I have fun. We all do. First of all, when you first start. We all do. Everybody is a mess when they first start. There's still stuff that's a mess. Are you kidding? Really? Oh my gosh. We're messy behind the scenes. Are you Believe- Yes. Maybe we need to pull back the curtain on that. And if nothing else from this conversation, if we are projecting, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the intimidation factor of like, we have this podcast and we're putting out what we think. Steph and I are messy. You hire people. Yeah, but we have hiring fails and (laughs) we don't do things well and we learn from it and we iterate on it. And one of us makes a mistake and the other one won't because we learn from the other's mistake or the other's idea about something, but we're just further down the road and you will get there. Mm-hmm. I agree with Steph. I don't think you are still making the trans. You have transitioned out of the class. You have transitioned. And here's the thing. There's always going to be things that you want to achieve and always get to the next step. That's just who we are as educators and people who take the leap that want to start their own business or their own practice. Yeah, there's always going to be milestones. Oh, I want to get there. But the truth of the matter is, that's the would be nice. It's the extra, right? You've already done it, though. It's the would be nice list. Steph and I always have things. We're like, the list is a mile long for the things that we want to be doing. And there's not enough time in the day. And you should feel my energy on a Monday when I get back into work with how much I feel like I have to do. And it's why Steph and I make such a point to have like 
this is episode 199, to have episode 200 be a milestone episode, which everybody will hear next week. It's why we make it a point to like, hey, we need to go to the spa and have a spa day. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Because we need to honor the fact that we are making progress because we never feel like we are. So that's maybe our own mindset stuff, but we can relate to that feeling. I just want your language around it to stop being, I am transitioning to, I have transitioned out of the classroom because you have. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to take that and run with it. As well, you should. Okay, good. No more limiting behavior. We all have those things and good enough is good enough. We tell our kids, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a reminder that when we tell our learners and our students that we're working with that good enough is okay, we have to also remember like how hard it is for us when we are dealing with good enough and learning to be okay. With it is enough. hard. It's hard. It is hard, especially when you struggle with perfectionism. I would love to hear, Danielle, what would you tell other people who are considering coaching? Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Think about what your goals are what you need from it. Do you need like what I needed, which is more the moral support, you know, the holding my hand, kind of like you're coaching what you just did with me. That's what I need. Mm. And then for me, I needed more showing me, just show me the stuff and I'll figure it out. Like the Calendly and all that other stuff. Yep. <laughs> Learning the real relationships and coming and smiling and just being warm and open and I really like what you said. There's no competition. There's an abundance of kids who need help out there. And before you even said that, Rachel, I was already adopting that attitude with my cohort here of adaptive teachers that, you know, there's enough, there's enough out there, you know, what do you want? What do you need? And what's your goal? And be ready for it. (laughs) How did you know that you were ready for it? Honestly, I wasn't ready. And I'm so grateful that I don't have regrets about the investment. I think which made it even more important because I honored it, my time and my money and my energy. Then you were ready. You wouldn't have made the leap if you weren't ready. People just don't do that. Correct. Yeah, maybe I just need somebody to jettison me out of where I was. Well, Danielle, we can't thank you enough. Where can our audience get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about your experience or about the wonderful work that you're doing in Paris and Danielle is all the tech savvy. So if you're in the US or Canada, don't hesitate. But Danielle, where can people get in touch with you? You can look for me on LinkedIn. My professional email is there, d.adibi.ed.therapy at gmail.com. You can look for my website. I got a goal of two weeks. It's called Blossom Educational Therapy. My logo is a lotus. Because uh, lotus flowers grow in difficult situations. And I feel that my learners can grow in their difficult situations. Yeah, so LinkedIn and look for my up and coming. I'm on the International Dyslexia Association and the AET website too. And their resource sections. And yeah, I would love to talk to anybody about uh, becoming a dyslexia specialist through my house education center. I want to give them a shout out. And all the amazing instructors there, highly recommend that for anybody who wants to work on their reading skills development. Yeah, that's how to get a hold of me. And just starting a practice in a foreign country where there isn't a lot. I mean, 
Bravo to you. If you really need a way to start talking about educational therapy as opposed to a tutor, as opposed to other venues people might have, I'm really happy to discuss what I've been doing. I love it. Thank you. Danielle, thank you so much. It was really, really lovely to get to see you and you look beautiful. Thank you so much. This was great. I'm. It's such an honor. I really was so honored that you would ask me to be on your podcast because they're just once again, so high quality. So thank you so much. Yeah. Why don't you say your signature sign off? <laughs> Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week. Have a great week. <laughs> Steph, we haven't had an opportunity to really chat about this episode, but I wanted to hear from you. First of all, I think it's really fun when we get to bring on people that we work with individually because you get the opportunity to see their face and see their energy and I get the opportunity vice versa. And, you know, cause we talk about all this stuff and we help each other through everything. So I'm curious, what are your big takeaways from this episode? The thing that really struck me was that she thought she wasn't ready, but she was ready. And she took the leap, even though she didn't think she was ready, but very clearly she was ready. She was ready to go. You know, it's really hard to go outside of your own comfort zone and think, oh, can I do this? Am I able to do this? And she did because she was ready. And bravo to her. It was really, really fun for me. We coached in 2020. And it was really, really fun to be recording this episode in February of 2022 and getting the opportunity to catch up and see how things are and getting to reconnect with her again. And even when inviting her onto the podcast, I was like, I am going to make sure that she knows not to let mindset Mm -hmm. and negative self-talk get in the way of her accepting our invitation to come on and chat about her experience. So I'm really glad that we have this opportunity. These episodes, when we do a coaching client or a child success episode, Mm -hmm. it's a marker in time for the learners that we work with and the clients that we work with to get to see where they were at the time of recording and compared to where they are now. Yeah. Because it's hard to mark their own progress. It is. And it'll be there forever. So that's happy. We love doing the coaching. So if you're interested, reach out to us in any of the ways, but (laughs) on our websites is probably the fastest. And we'd be excited to hop on a quick phone call or quick Zoom with you to figure out if this is the right next best step for you. And so www.capedtherapy.com and www.myedtherapist.com. We'll talk to you when you want to do coaching, Smart. <laughs> <laughs> talk to you soon.